0: Thank you, Becky. It's so good to have you back, man. That is so awesome to to have you on this stage again. And uh, I noticed that we we didn't keep our six feet distance when we passed each other there, but hopefully we're all healthy. Thanks, you guys. Uh, thank you for being with us here on Easter, uh, Sunridge Easter Online. Um, you know, we just want to know what what are you doing? As Becky said, on this wild yet wonderful Easter. Uh, and especially if you're a first-timer um, and you know maybe you got invited, maybe you're a long-time Sunridge person, but if you're honest, this is your first time joining us online, just throw it out there, first time, this is a no-shame zone, that's okay. So uh, great to be with you guys here on Easter morning. Today I want to start off by introducing you to, or for most of you, reintroducing you to uh, Mary Magdalene. In fact, if you're uh, following along in our chat right now, uh, just type out her name. We put it on the screen so you can spell it correctly. Mary uh, is mentioned in all of the Gospels. In fact, she's mentioned more often than some of her well-known, uh, more well-known male colleagues. In fact, she's so prominent in uh, Jesus' ministry that in some Christian traditions, she is known as the apostle to the apostles. And, you know, the, uh, the gospels tell us that she experienced a dramatic conversion. Her, um, it's described as, you know, Jesus casting seven demons out of her. And is often the case when someone experiences such a dramatic change in their life when they come to Christ. There's just something different about them. And that's true for Mary because she becomes part of Jesus' team, she travels with him and um, history indicates that she's one of the wealthy women that uh, financially backs his ministry. And on this first Easter Sunday uh, that we're talking about today, uh, that early Sunday morning she goes to the tomb and I'm going to catch up with the story in John's biography of Jesus' life, known as John's Gospel. Chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken my Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So she tells John and Peter And they rushed to the tomb with Mary. And in verse 4, John tells us that both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And so I just find a note of humor in that, that because this is John's gospel, he gets to write a little bit about how he beat Peter uh, to the tomb. Uh, he mentions that he's faster. Of course, if Peter had written a gospel, he'd have probably mentioned that he was much bigger than John and he took his lunch money every day. I don't know. But uh, I find humor in these things. I don't know if you guys do. But uh, it's interesting how these little tidbits of details end up in the gospel stories. And after, in, in fact, uh, after all they had seen in verse 9, uh, John tells us they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead so they leave they leave thinking that someone has stolen his body and this just adds insult to injury but mary doesn't leave she remains by the tomb and you know there's no background or detail on that or explanation but we do know that she's weeping so that to me indicates that she has a unique heart for jesus and as she weeps two angels appear And ask her why she's crying. And she replies to them. Someone has taken the body of my Lord. I mean you know. There's something about that desecration. Of Jesus' body that matters to her. And then there's a voice from behind. From the entrance of the tomb. Who asks her why she's crying. And she turns and assumes that it's the gardener. And you know this is another interesting detail to me. That. She must have revealed this later to John in some way. And it catches up into his story of the resurrection in that she had to tell him, you know, like when I first heard the voice, I thought it was just the gardener. But it's not the gardener. And in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turns toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher, it means much more than that. It means revered one, uh, someone who is a special leader in that person's life. I want you to notice that when Jesus revealed himself to her, he said her name. In fact, say that out loud, wherever you are, with your family alone, he said her name. Because when Jesus says her name, she knows it's him. Jesus said that his sheep will know his voice. And when God says your name, you know it's him. But you also realize in that moment that he knows you. If you're following along in the chat, just type in right now, he knows me. She clings to him in this moment. Verse 17, Jesus said, don't hold on to me. For I've not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples, just as Jesus told her, with the news I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So note that John records that a woman, Mary, is the first. To witness the resurrection. She is the first to receive the great commission. And she is the first to preach or give the good news of the resurrection to others. You know that's one of the facts that stands out to me in a way that. It makes me think this this is not made up. I know that this isn't a perfect apologetic. And we don't have time to dig into all of the proof for the resurrection. But how in the world could. They've been making this up when they add these details that were so countercultural. In fact, uh, likely because she is a woman, they don't immediately believe her. Fear has them quarantined. In verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. So, why am I telling you this story? Well, it's Easter, of course. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, or you're seeking, or you're trying to explore faith, John's Gospel is probably the best book in the Bible you could read. But this, this story is also timely for me, for you, and I believe for the world. Because we're living in an unprecedented time. We've talked about that. We're living the new normal. In fact, it was just a it was a few weeks ago before this thing really spiked up uh, with fear and our social distancing. We had just started to talk about it and I was at a local grocery store and I was in line with my groceries and there was a guy in front of me and he turned around and he went like this. And I had a fire department beanie on so I thought, you know, he's giving me high five because I'm a fireman. So I stepped forward and I because I wanted to be somewhat safe, I backhand-fived him. And he just looked at me incredulously, and he says, no, back up. And I was like, what? No, back up. You're too close. And then, like, my brain started to kick in. I don't know if I was having an old man moment. I wasn't aware of what was happening, but he thought I was getting too close to him. I think I was five foot 11 inches away from him. But anyway, like, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, dude. You know, like, think I might have added calm down. We're fearful, rightfully so. You know that this morning I was—I uh, looked up our statistics. The U.S. is currently leading the world. The number of cases of COVID-19 were well over a half million, and the number of deaths. Uh, this morning the count was 20,601. Each one of those is not just a number, but they're, they're someone's mom, there's someone's grandpa, there's someone's brother or sister or child. And then we look at the financial impact. Uh, in my last count, 16 million people have lost their jobs in the United States. And look at us today. We're doing online church only. And we're not together on Easter Sunday. And most of you have totally changed what is normal Easter for you in terms of your family plans. COVID-19 is incredibly contagious. Fear even more so. But hope is contagious too. Type hope in your chat right now. Because on this unique Easter morning, I want to remind you that the grave could not hold him. Say amen wherever you are right now. Cassandra, I heard you. The grave cannot hold him. The resurrection is the source of Christian hope. I don't know if you've ever read the letters of the Apostle Peter. But he wrote his first letter as a hope reminder to Christians who were in crisis at that time. And in this brief book of only five chapters, he uses the word hope five times, and in chapter 1 he uses it three times. In 1 Peter 1, 3 he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, sometimes when we say hope we really mean wishful thinking. Like I sure hope the Padres win. I sure hope that I can make the payments on that car I just bought. I sure hope I get an A on the test that I didn't study for. See, generally we use the word hope uh, to describe a lack of certainty and sometimes even a fantasy. But Christian hope is based on the certainty of the resurrection. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Type in the chat certain. You see, it's not I hope it's going to happen or I don't know if it's going to happen or it did happen. That is absolutely not what Christian hope is about. Peter said you have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's like God said, in case you have any doubts, check this out. In fact, if you're, if you're new to faith, you're exploring faith, I would encourage you to go back in our archives to a series we did called So What? And in that series, we talk about some of the proofs for the resurrection. These Christians at that time were suffering. Persecution is breaking out. People are losing their lives, and they're running for their lives, and they're filled with fear, and there's a definite economic impact on those who named the name of Christ at that time. And it it was to those people that Peter reminds them in verse 21, through him you believe in God, that is through Christ, who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. That's one of the reasons why I want to do this series following up Easter, to follow Easter. God is. Let's talk about who our God is. Through this uh, pandemic, we've kind of been talking about the issue, the crisis, and going to the Bible and saying, what does the Bible say about how we should deal with this? But in God is, we're going to reverse that. We're going to elevate who God is, and we're going to look back at our circumstances whether today or the past or into the future we're going to look at that through the lens of the god who is our faith and hope is in him and so as a christian if you're a christian can i remind you that that's where our hope is it's in god now We we need doctors more than ever and nurses more than ever and we need really smart people in research and we need innovators and we need great leaders who look to the future and, and make plans to protect us and to keep us healthy. But as a Christian, I want to remind you that you have something so powerful. You have the hope of the resurrection. You have the living hope living in you. So whatever we're afraid of, Paul even said that we don't even need to fear death. And the early church reminded themselves of this often through that tradition that Becky already mentioned today. Christ is risen. And they replied to one another, he is risen indeed. The resurrection is the source of Christian hope. So if that's true, we should choose hope above all else. We need to choose hope. You guys have daily disciplines, right? Daily disciplines are things like, you know, how I'm going to eat, the fact that I brush my teeth, that I wash my hair. Some of you are only wearing a hat during this pandemic when you stay home. But that's actually a daily discipline too. Put your hat on before you go outside. You have exercise disciplines. We have all these daily disciplines. Choosing hope is a daily discipline. Now that's that's not to say that we don't feel the emotions of fear or we don't fear losses or have pain or anxiety. It doesn't mean that we're spiritual robots or automatons that, you know, we just use our faith to like push everything away and we don't really acknowledge what is really happening. Choosing hope daily does, doesn't require that we deny science or facts or call this COVID pandemic a hoax there are real things in the world today this isn't just one of them the only one it's one of them that's big right now and universal hope doesn't erase reality or fear but we can choose hope over fear in fact today those of us who are christians we have a great advantage over the disciples because we have never had to live a day without the knowledge that jesus overcame death We've never had to live that. You know, when Jesus died, all hope died with the disciples. They may have heard about the resurrection. They may have, you know, hoped for it because of the things that Jesus said. But we know from the gospel accounts that they were devastated. They had no way of fully realizing that we do today that the darkest hour was soon to become the finest hour. And that's that's especially important for us to remember today because it is natural for us to fear. fear. Fear can be good. God gives us fear. Fear keeps us from being stupid sometimes. But fear can also consume us. And God is not in that. How many stories do we read in the Bible of people who genuinely and validly had fear in their circumstances, but we see them choosing and placing their hope in God over that fear? I think about Joshua in the Old Testament, faced with all the mighty uh, uh, armies that were still in the promised land that he had to lead his soldiers into battle to face. And I know that he was fearful. And I know that the people, the early Israelites, were fearful as well. But Joshua did say to them, choose this day whom you will serve. Right? I think about David and Goliath. When David walks out on that battlefield alone, man on man, with Goliath the giant, David says, you know, you come out here all big and swole with your sword and your spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I think about Ruth and Naomi, her mother-in-law, when she says, you know, this is such a tragedy. You just go on with your life. And Ruth replies to her, "Don't, don't tell me to leave you. I'm not leaving. Where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. You know, Peter points out that choosing hope is a daily discipline. In verse 13 of his first letter in the first chapter, he says, Therefore, because our hope is in a living God, because our hope is in the resurrection, he says, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Look at some of these words. Prepare means to gird up. It's like a soldier who gathers his robe and buckles it up with his sash and prepares for battle. When he says be self-controlled, he's saying be self-disciplined. I know there's all these voices. There's all this confusion and uncertainty. I know that fear arises, but I want you to control yourself. I want you to discipline yourself into hope. And when he says, set your hope fully on the grace of God to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed, he's saying that, like, I want you to intentionally place your hope there in God's grace. Intentionally choose hope. If you're following along in the chat, right? I choose hope. Put it in all caps if you want. So what does a Christian do with all this hope? Do we hoard it like toilet paper? Is the world going to the spiritual shelves of the church today and finding and looking for hope, but we've taken it all to ourselves? And are they finding the hope shelf, that section in the spiritual store? Are they finding it empty because we're hoarding it? You know, Peter talks about this again in the first, in in chapter three of his first letter. He says, "In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord." Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. When we live life in the light of the certainty of the resurrection and God's love, we will have opportunities. He says, Everyone who asks you, that is, people will ask about the hope. Maybe that's already happened for you. Why? Why are you processing this differently? Our hope is in the resurrection as Christians, and we're choosing hope daily. And so we can be hope carriers. We are hope carriers. The virus is contagious, yes, and so is fear, but hope is contagious too. And if you're a Christian, you are a carrier. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. If you're a Christian, you should have a hope infection. In fact, right now in the chat, type out, I tested positive for hope. See, when the resurrection is the source of my hope, when I live a life daily, intentionally, choosing to place my hope in Christ in spite of my circumstances, when I do that, I have opportunities to share the hope. The question is this. The big question for us is, is what you have worth catching? Of course you're scared. Of course you're anxious, you're crazy if you're not, but you have hope. And hope gives the believer, a hope placed in the resurrection of Christ, gives the Christian a whole new perspective on how to process what's happening. In 2 Corinthians 3.12, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. You know, one of the things that has been, I guess, a blessing out of this is to watch many of you be hope bringers. I love how we've connected with the community mission of hope. What a great word in an organization that is here in this valley to help people who need it in the various ways that they need it. And we've been supporting them. Many of you have been going beyond even like collecting our bag you've been giving money and taking additional things over there and serving over there i am so thrilled that we get to be a part of bringing hope to our community and many of you have gone like more personal than that you've you've contacted me or our staff or uh, you know put in prayer request lists that you know you're available to help others you're willing to take food or drive uh, people around that are that can't, don't have a ride or need some type of, you're willing to go and get groceries for people. Some of you have offered financial help to people that are suffering. And this church has just been so generous to people. You've been generous to your church. I, I've just been so blown away and so grateful for the faithful giving that has been um, happening in spite of, everything that's going on in our world today. And some of you like it's just like right down there where the rubber meets the road, you're your nurses or doctors or teachers, you're in a business and you and I hear about business owners concerned for their employees and trying to figure out how that they can keep them on the payroll even if they're not working or like struggling thinking of ways to keep that business going. And a lot of that has been motivated by your care. And your love for your employees that just blows me away and some of you are like working grocery stores and you're just interacting with the people every day and like you're bringing hope uh, you know right there and just like behind your little glass screen you know as people go through the line and some of you are out there delivering goods and driving trucks and it's like you're part of bringing hope to the world and you need to look at it through that lens some of you like you're out of work and so are your coworkers and you're you're speaking hope to them and you're right there where they are and it just it's so inspiring to me that you're that we that we have people that call Sunridge home that have been infected with hope and are carrying that hope into the world today Some of you are just doing it with words. It's like you just give a hope-filled answer, like Peter talks about. This is a time. This is a time when it's especially important for a Christian to be bold, to be a bold hope bringer. Talk about your fears. Acknowledge them. Be be honest. Talk about your faith, too. And talk about it in a real, authentic way. Way. You know, when Jesus was on earth, the world was an awful place. There was so much suffering. But you know, people came to Jesus not just because of the miracles that he performed, not just because of the food, but because he had a message of hope, and so do we today. There's still lots to fear, and when this virus is gone, there will still be fear in the world, but we are hope. Bringers. You know, our vision is to deepen faith, to bring hope, and to live love. I'm going to ask the band to come up now. And I wanna I'm gonna wrap this up by saying to those of you especially that you're struggling right now, or maybe you're searching. You're searching that does God have the answers? I want to tell you that hope can happen to you. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 6, 4, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. You know, maybe you've been thinking that it's time for a change. It's it's this crisis that has awakened you to God or maybe reawakened you. And Paul is simply saying here that that change, that hope, can be something that happens to you. That because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, you can live a new life. Maybe it's time for a change. And I know that some of you have like tons of questions I want to just, they're going to put this up in the chat, but I have a book for you to read. It's a really easy read. It's not a thick book. It's Christianity for People Who Aren't Christians by James Emery White. We're putting up the Amazon link in the chat, and I would just, you know, if you're searching and you want answers, you want to know, is the Bible reliable? Is there any evidence for God? You know, like what difference does faith make? I want you to read that book. And then lastly, I just want to turn our attention back to where we started from here we talked about how jesus said mary's name and she turned to him and i don't know i've never heard a audible voice of god i've definitely felt like he was talking to me but maybe maybe in some way you're hearing god's voice through all of this that's going on you all of a sudden, you have ears to hear. And, and even though you don't have all the answers, faith is awakening in you. Maybe it feels like God is saying your name. He knows your name. We're going to close our service with a song called Glorious Day. And here are the lyrics. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. You called my name. Then I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. We have hope, a living hope, in the resurrection. Let's pray.